Hello, and welcome to Fleet News Group's podcast, where we talk about all things fleet in Australia and around the world. I'm Caroline Falls, and today I'm speaking with Brent Stafford, Executive Director at Directed Technologies, a huge supplier of navigation and telematics tech in Australia and around the world. We're going to talk about what's changing in the automotive landscape and how that is opening opportunities for advanced and high-tech manufacturing and future tech to watch out for. So welcome, Brent. Thanks very much, Carolyn, and great to be here with Fleet News Group. Firstly, let's talk about your company, Directed Technologies, because that helps listeners appreciate where you're coming from and where you fit in with Fleet. Uh, Your PR guy tells me your audio-visual navigation units and telematics tech are in about a quarter of trucks plying Australia's roads. So I want to hear more about Directed Technologies brands and products, Brent. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's one part of it, of course, is um, navigation and telematics. And there's, we've sold about a million automotive products into the market in Australia. So there aren't too many trucks driving the roads today that don't have one or several of our technologies on board. But it's really quite an extensive portfolio of connected vehicle solutions. And it spans what you mentioned, um, car and truck navigation systems, because, of course, it's not only truck as well. And all of the connected accessories with go that go with those, like cameras and tire pressure monitoring and reversing sensors, and um, the, the truck listeners will know what a Suzy coil is. Um, so there's quite an extensive portfolio connecting to the navigation systems, but then also telematics, which is designed and manufactured on site here at our Melbourne Airport Business Park corporate HQ. Uh, we've got a very large warehouse, a production facility, a, a um, electronics manufacturing production line, and all the vehicle development bays and software developers, etc. And that's really quite a unique sovereign capability because we actually control the full stack from PCB design to firmware, hardware manufacture, and that's been particularly beneficial in these times of silicon shortage. Uh, where we've been very fortunate, where we've had no stop supply, and that's critical. We're supplying, you know, you, you mentioned the truck companies like Kenworth on the line here in Victoria, um, but a lot of port fit and also dealer fit solutions. So having that, you know, managing that in-house has been particularly valuable, but also today the very sort of more contemporary risks of security uh, from hackers. And because we control the encryption on the device over there and in the cloud, uh, we don't have the Chinese firmware on board, which our partner is really valuable. So that's another component of what we're doing, the local manufacturer. And that's now extending into IoT trackers, for example, for use in things like freight operations, tracking high value or time sensitive assets. So that's sort of like the hardware play. And finally, um, our cloud storage services, and they're built on a very contemporary enterprise grade um, data harmonization platform. So it's like a, a data lake approach. And that enables us to seamlessly collect and process real world data from trucks or objects or cameras, digital video cameras, for example, under this common data storage and processing model. And, you know, fleets today have a ra- an array of technology on board. Um, and we've got to make sure that we can process not only our data, but also third party data. And that could be weather information, financial information, 
could be driver information or dealership information. And so really that's the sort of array of what we're doing, the navigation, the telematics and other connected services, but also um, you know, this cloud-based model, which again is locally built. Um, and that's really the core sort of portfolio of our connected vehicle solutions. Most of our products are actually white label, so they would appear as a Mercedes-Benz product or a Packard product, or even uh, Australia Post or Ambulance Victoria or others. Um, if you look under the hood, so you know, if you went under the dashboard of the truck, there'll, there'll be a black box there, and that that will have the directed electronics OE or directed technology logo on board or behind the navigation system, for example. Um, but yeah, nearly all of our products are actually white labeled. And that sort of speaks a bit to our origin as well, because we've always worked through our partner brands. Um, it's not a, a go-to-market strategy that's direct. And uh, we've been doing that really, you know, since we started about 15 years ago. So the organization's grown significantly through, we're sort of on our fourth phase, like, uh, um, you know, IoT or Industry 4.0, we're literally in our fourth, fourth phase of growth now. Um, and, you know, in, in the group, there's over 200 employees. And like on the retail side of the business, the retail products are branded other brands. And so too in our technologies group, they're branded through the partner brand. And that's been sort of really the origin of our business is about supplying these class leading solutions into our partner network, where it's not really about making our brand successful, it's about lighting up the partner brand and making them successful in the market. And what about yourself? I read your bio on LinkedIn and see you are a scuba diver, a former Navy diver, in fact. So I'm yeah. just wondering how a diver found their way to uh, directed technologies. And um, I also see that you spent a few years with Here Technologies, which are big providers of mapping info um, around the world. So. And yeah. um, maybe you can tell us, is Directed Tech working with here, Tech? Yeah, so um, the curse of LinkedIn. But um, yeah, so I, was, I spent a little bit, of, little bit of time as a hydrographer, I spent 10 years with Victoria Police as a principally a motorbike cop in, in various areas, including some technology areas. I'm still in the Navy Reserve, so that's 39 years now, approaching 40 years, so probably time to hang up the fins and and uh, uh, Broco cutters and all the scuba gear. But um, yeah, I've spent time sort of after the police evolving into this technology area. So I worked at Bosch, Robert Bosch Australia, um, uh, where, is, uh, where is Maps, which at the time was part of Telstra, uh, ran a not-for-profit for six or seven years at ITS Australia, which is really working on the policy agenda with industry, mm -hmm. science, academia in this space. And then, um, as you mentioned here, Maps, so uh, started at Navtech, which then became Nokia Maps, which then became Here Maps or Here Technologies, um, where I went from an account executive to end up running the IoT business group in Asia Pacific. And really, um, you know, the, what drew me to working with Directed was that there is so much fabulous um, global development in all sorts of technology fields and IoT and telematics, et cetera. And I saw in, in directed this magnificent capability with a class leading team. And that's really sort of the lesson about all of those roles that I've been through um, is, you know, this theme of trust and the importance of team where everyone brings really quite unique thinking and experience to the table. And I thought, um, 
it'd be great to be able to harness the potential of that with a local Australian company where we do it all in Australia. And um, the, the, the leadership, the group leadership uh, at Directed availed me the opportunity to join the organisation about four years ago now. And since then, we've really transformed together the organisation and grown significantly, both in terms of our of our team, but also the revenue base and really um, brought a lot of that brought a lot of that to thinking about how we can have these connected vehicle solutions designed and manufactured in Australia, as opposed to offshore, which is quite easy to turn to, you know, buy, buy things in Asia or, or have firmware developed um, offshore. We really wanted to deliver that as a, as a local capability, leaving a legacy for future generations to stay in the automotive game. We're largely manufacture apart from, for example, the, the Kenworth trucks are manufactured locally, but that capacity had largely dried up. And so we're really, you know, we, we talk generally about industry 4.0, and this is really automotive 4.0, where we think about um, not, not pressing metal, but um, stamping data instead of the steel. Now you mentioned um, here maps and um, this fabulous time at here maps where got to meet literally every company in the world from drone manufacturers to government agencies to um, defence operators, et cetera. And that gave me a great basis of understanding both, you know, contemporary commerce, but also how spatial data can be leveraged. We still work very closely with Here Maps. So um, well before my time, about 15 years ago, we were taking Here Maps into the little tiny portable navigation devices. And today we embed here in all of our cloud services, but also the navigation systems, which obviously is critical. Um, it's unfortunate that there are so many bridge strikes, uh, you know, today with with uh, trucks in the country, but also in the region, and leveraging the here data in our navigation and telematics platforms, we can avail not only the drivers uh, really important information about where they need to travel in the network, not only um, you know their length, width, width, mass, weight, height sort of factors, but also where incidents might be occurring on the road network, like flooding, um, but also help fleet managers analyse the performance of the fleets um, in order that they can coach or mentor drivers, um, gain efficiencies, uh, reduce you know, idle fuel consumption and increase you know, the sort of product productivity side. And I think in fleets today, um, most fleets now are deploying telematics. Indeed, most manufacturers are, are including telematics in the vehicles and trucks. Um, but there, there are huge gains still to be made. So if those fleets don't have um, telematics enabled, then you're talking about typically a 90% reduction in driver violations and about a 25% reduction in, in the use of fuel and idle fuel. So huge productivity gains to be made um, throughout the life cycle of the vehicle. So yeah, we're a big, big user of here maps, but also other global majors such as AWS and Single Store and SciSense and Vodafone and Telstra. Um, where we seek to leverage their global capability, their global sales forces um, to, to take our products to the world market. Well, you uh, really touched on a lot of subjects there and wiped out a few of my questions um, or answered them uh, already. So thanks for that. Um, yeah, I was, you know, particularly curious about telematics uh, that uptake, you know, there is still a lot of room for growth and, um, just beggars belief, like why it hasn't been adopted by some. Did you want to talk any more about that? You did just touch on it. Yeah, touched on it, but I think, look, there are areas of opportunity there. So 
Um, still growth, but also consolidation. What fleet operators hate is having three, four, or in the waste truck scenario, sometimes there's seven SIM cards in a truck. So that, that sort of consolidation is there. Also, consolidation in traditionally uh, vehicle leaves the leaves the dealership and then gets all of the accessories fitted. Today, most new vehicles are coming out with factory telematics. And so instead of paying another, you know, significant amount of money to have telematics fitted as aftermarket, by simply connecting cloud to cloud or via an API connector uh, from the manufacturer's cloud, which is what we're obviously supplying into the fleet operations, that the fleet managers can save a huge amount of money and not have to deploy hardware um, that's fitted as an accessory. And as we see vehicles becoming more advanced, um, to allow people to plug accessories in the aftermarket is very risky today. What appears to be a sort of positive 12 or 20 volt wire may actually be a CAN bus wire, and tapping into that wire could influence the body management, engine management module, or other modules in the vehicle compromising the vehicle safety. And also, um, what we also, sorry, we're now seeing that X factory. Um, the manufacturer used to sell a vehicle. Um, today, often they're leasing a vehicle or providing vehicle as a service. So they all want to also want to be assured that the technologies that are being plugged in are factory assured. They comply with the data privacy, data security, and obviously the vehicle integrity, particularly the CAN bus data that's that's travelling the vehicle network. So the manufacturers want to be assured that um, that the vehicle is secure and that accessories aren't being plugged into in the aftermarket that could interfere with their vehicle warranty obligation to the customer. So there is still an opportunity there, both in terms of growth, consolidation, but also leveraging the factory telematic solutions. And there are a lot of global platforms out there today. Not all of them survive the test of localization, and, and that's a big part of what we do um, in the local, but also APAC and broader regions, South Africa and Thailand and, and elsewhere. Um, is really about localising uh, the services for these vehicle manufacturers because the use cases are quite different between developed economies and developing economies, but also the use cases in regions where there might be compulsory telematics or compulsorily, compulsory electronic log diary or the equivalent of an EWD here. And, and that's another area of capacity in that government can legislate compulsory adoption of telematics in, all, in order to gain efficiencies, but also understand the utilisation of the road network, because whilst we love building more infrastructure in, in the country, it is really the infrastructure that can drive better information as to where we should make um, the best investment into that infrastructure. Um, I'm going to take us uh, to the other side of the world now because I hear that you uh, have just returned from a visit to LA for the Influential Consumer Electronics Show. Um, so I guess I could suspend all remaining questions and just sit back now and listen to you tell us about some of the things that you saw there. Um, how much time did you spend at the show and what are some of the exciting technologies you saw that would interest our fleet audience? Yes, well, um, CES at Vegas is, of course, one of the world's major electronic shows and, and the show's sort of varied over time. It used to be, you know, very consumer-centric. It went to automotive, shifted back to consumer. 
and now it's got its sort of homeostasis between automotive and all, all of the tech. Now, obviously, you get to see, you know, the latest 8K or 16K or whatever it is, TVs, the lasers, etc. more curved screens, fantastic 3D, 3D holograms that are, that are increasingly affordable, but also more lifelike. Um, but from a, from a fleet perspective or OE perspective, this huge trend towards software-defined vehicle. So um, more and more technology in the vehicle that allows the configuration of the vehicle and its use um, based on a software architecture. So that was really important for us to understand where the long-term trends. So at CES, whilst you walk the halls, we also have a series of meetings with suppliers, manufacturers, and uh, those influences that are controlling the type of software that's going into the vehicles, the sort of QNX players, or, or believe it or not, BlackBerry, um, something people may wish to look up, what's BlackBerry's role in terms of vehicles, but um, a, a lot of those influences um, where they know the tech of the next sort of decade. And uh, all, all vehicles are now becoming connected. The amount of data being recorded in real time from vehicles is simply phenomenal. Now, we get that through our fleet, so we're getting hundreds of um, terabytes or even petabytes of data coming in on our video telemetry systems and hundreds of thousands of transactions a second. That's set to increase quite significantly. Um, and it's what we do with that data as opposed to the generation of data that's really important. Fleet managers today already have their work cut out for them. Um, sit down with any fleet manager and the mobile phone is literally on fire in their hands whether it's about broken windscreens, stolen vehicles, um, OH&S incidents, or people complaining about driver behaviour, whatever it might be, the fleet managers really have a huge task. And if we had more data, arguably that could make the task even more overwhelming. Um, what we're seeing with this connectivity is a need, as our role is, to ease the workload on fleet managers, to give them um, information which is actionable and it's an insight and hopefully it doesn't only go to them it might go to the HR manager for example instead of the fleet manager or finance so we try and ease the workload of um, the fleet manager through the telematics data not increase it so all vehicles are becoming connected there's a big push obviously toward vehicle to vehicle vehicle to infrastructure um, the global standards in relation to that are uh, being defined as we speak and really sort of bedding down. Um, and that sort of asked the question about what is the role for Australian technology organisations and indeed Australian fleet and manufacturers in terms of the connected vehicle and where can we add our valuable IP into the global um, commerce side of it. And obviously uh, we've all heard of, you know, ChatGPT3 and DALI-E and DALI-E3 and OpenAI, et cetera. Um, the advances in AI are really significant. And if we think about that from a fleet, a, a fleet perspective, hopefully we can avail the driver a more context-sensitive drive experience where um, it might be the chatbot is alerting them um, contextually when they're driving as to any issues that the vehicle might be um, subject to. And, and again, be very context-aware. And that's where the CAN bus data comes in um, if you're indicating to turn around a roundabout and there might be pedestrians present leveraging the camera technology, logically, you wouldn't then alert the driver that you might have a, uh, 
a minor problem with the vehicle like low windscreen wiper fluid, logically you would wait till you get around the corner to provide that type of alert as opposed to some aftermarket systems that will just buzz a EWD or some type of alert to, to the driver. So the advancement in AI, we believe, is a huge opportunity where Australia absolutely has a role to play, as does directed technologies in that space. Wow. Um, I'd like to raise the theme of circular economy in this podcast series. So I'm just wondering if you noticed that as a feature at this year's uh, CES, and it does seem to be gaining some traction as a concept, though I think it's still not widely appreciated. And um, for the circular economy, like design of products uh, needs to take into account, you know, the end of life of that product and how materials and resources can be reused or recovered. And um, so I'm just wondering, did you see any evidence of circular economy design principles being worked into new tech? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. And it's it's not a new area of um, attention for us. Even a recent upgrade in the navigation system saw a reduction of 800 grams in the system. And, and, and every kilo does increase significantly the range, particularly when it comes to an electric vehicle. So yeah, that is front and centre at CS. We had really interesting discussions there about leveraging our IoT platform for traceability of parts and recycling, and so that um, you know you can you can validate a part. A you can find a part in the in the supply chain, um, which decreases the amount of parts required to have in in stock. And you know some of those parts, obviously, a transmission or a an engine or a motor um, or a battery is is really important. So traceability of those parts, but also what happens with end of life, where we all have obligations in the supply chain now um, under various stewardship schemes to uh, identify waste and recycling. So yeah, it was front and centre at, at CS and there was a, a, an awful lot of discussion in relation to that, particularly as you picked up the design element, what materials can we leverage and, and how do we recycle those materials when they're used in this OE or fleet space? It was also interesting um, earlier, you made a remark about uh, OEMs not just selling uh, vehicles, but supplying them as a service. And that's a real circular economy sort of principle as well, isn't it? It is, and it's not only the original supply, so who is the first owner, um, but also, you know, subsequent third, fourth ownership still in the heavy vehicle space. You know, average age of a vehicle is 10 plus years. So we do have to think about not only the original owner, but subsequent owners. And, and also have an awareness not only of, um, you know, the parts in the supply chain, um, obviously as we move to battery, you know, to electric and, and hydrogen, um, reuse of the batteries, for example, can those batteries be reused in, for example, home power stacks or factory power stacks, just as one example. But I think the, um, there is quite a large push in that space at the moment. And we all do have to be very aware of, you know, progressive development, both from a, a commercial perspective, but also um, keeping track with the policy and the legislation. And as a global provider, it's not only the domestic overlay of that, it's also the regional and global overlay that's important for us. Uh, one of the other interesting topics that you've sort of uh, 
raised a couple of times is the opportunities for Australian manufacturers, um, you know, in this automotive sector, um, particularly advanced uh, manufacturers. So because you're working in that space, can you tell us, is, you know, that an area that's growing in Australia for auto-related yeah. manufacturing? Yeah, obviously there's lots of new materials manufacturing. There is this sort of core cadre of um, advanced electronics manufacturers like ourselves, but that has dwindled significantly. There, there, there are huge opportunities in the market, as as you know, everyone will understand. I think what we have to understand is what is the role to play for Australian technology providers. There's been really good policy support for things like Manufacturing Modernisation Fund, the Automotive Industry Labs Access Program, and obviously lots of green energy programs that are around at the moment. And we've worked very closely with the federal government on those programs, but also state government, um, where they're assisting us, uh, for example, ECHO Dev or Department of Jobs, Precincts and Regions with the Victorian government, but also governments in Thailand and around the region on the role to play. So um, there is a huge role to play, um, but it's clearly not going to be necessarily in building the vehicle. Um, robots are great at building passenger vehicles, um, and we and we see advanced manufacturing like Kenworth in Australia is still thriving with a very strong order book out to out to many years. So um, we we just really need to define in the electronics space what is our role to play. There's lots of fishing out there about the role to play in car to car or, or vehicle to vehicle to vehicle to vehicle infrastructure or X to X as some people are now calling it. Um, but, but that's where the policy triggers are very important. One of the policy triggers of course can be through government specifying a minimum mandatory local procurement plan. And we, we've seen quite a few of those being applied domestically. And um, you know that's where the government's actions are indeed louder than the words, in that they specify mandatory procurement policies over you know a certain a certain limit. In fleet, we've sort of been lagging a bit in that regard. In defence, it's been very strong, and there's very strong uh, local defence industry procurement policy that uh, would be great to see um, in the automotive procurement and fleet procurement space. That being said, we've defined our role. It's uh, we've been very successful supplying um, global majors such as Mercedes-Benz, Hino, um, DAF, Kenworth, Australia Post, um, Ambulance Victoria, PFD Foods, and many others. And uh, there is a huge opportunity pipeline ahead as fleets become more sensitive to the need of having sovereign capability. So that opens up the role for for Australian technology companies. Um, but also a critical awareness of this data privacy and data security, given the very, very high profile um, uh, data penetration um, uh, issues that have come in come in lately with a couple of major fleets. And obviously, you know, we saw Medibank, et cetera, out there as well. So uh, that is a, a, a huge benefit for sovereign procurement and uh, purchasing. So we've we've got a really strong pipeline ahead, and uh, we've just you know we're very open about what we do, and very encouraging, particularly to our network of suppliers, uh, where we're bringing them along for this high growth journey into the global markets. Oh, it sounds like you've got a very exciting um, outlook uh, for your company, and I was just wondering if you wanted to make any comment about the outlook for the automotive sector in Australia for 
Yeah, it's um, it's it's look still challenging times. Like we mentioned, silicon shortage earlier, that's still impacting many supply chains. As indeed, of course, is is um, staffing. As we see the borders open up, uh, we're seeing more application of what used to be the four, five, seven visas. And I'd encourage listeners to think about how they can work with their local government and federal government to assist accessing resources that none of us have currently got at our disposal in this regard. We've done well in attracting talent by being very open about the opportunity um, that directed technologies can avail software developers, database analysts, et cetera. Um, but also engineers from an electronics and um, manufacturing perspective. Um, I think we really have to think about that as an industry, though, not just as a, um, a sort of a, a, a group of individuals. We need to let, really start to leverage the policy triggers that are available to us as a sector um, that, it, again, is done very well in defence, done very well in medical, and that's where the role of the associations, it might be ITS Australia, AFMA, and uh, Advanced Manufacturing Australia, um, you know, we need to make sure that we work with the associations and with other organisations to try and, again, leverage those policy levers that we need. In Australia, there's still a, a, a shortage of over half a million software developers. And uh, it's not just us that are working in this area, it's obviously the likes of Atlassian and MYOB and car sales and many others. And uh, we really need to open up the borders and open up the universities to allow the next generation of students to come out and enter the workforce and really have them excited about the opportunity that's ahead in this automotive and fleet space. It's very rare that a graduate could be hands-on on an advanced technology platform like in our space that will end up in a Mercedes truck or might end up in a mission critical asset like an ambulance. And so that, you know, we've got to pump up the sector to avail the students the knowledge that this is actually still a really vibrant and really exciting industry um, that they should be, uh, they should want to be a part of. Oh, Brent, you raised so many uh, fantastic points. I think I'll have to have you back one day. Um, but for now, uh, I'm just going to say thank you so much. That was a really fantastic conversation we've just had. Oh, thanks very much, Carolyn, and thanks for the opportunity to be on Fleet News Group. I think that, again, I mentioned the various associations or industry bodies, but Fleet News Group also plays a powerful role in um, availing us as a collective group information about what's happening out in the marketplace. And so I relish the opportunity to be able to learn more, um, as we all have to. It doesn't matter what level in the organisation from CEO um, down, we all have to continue to learn. So um, Fleet News Group really does play a powerful role in helping us understand the market evolution, but also where we need to think about moving our organisation. So thank you, Carolyn. You've been listening to Fleet News Group Podcast. It was edited and produced by Isabella Fiorentino. You can follow us on Spotify. Just search for Fleet News Group. We're also on Instagram, Facebook 
and YouTube. Our website is fleetnewsgroup.com where you can get all of our stories, videos and podcasts. Until next time, drive safely and take care.